All right, you may recognize this gentleman standing to my right. His name is Scott Wu, and he is the Chief Digital Officer for Compass Digital Labs. Scott, it's great to have you on our program today. It's nice to see you. I feel like I know the both of you really well. Well, I, you and many people who are watching the live stream that we've been putting out so many times per day, but a lot of people couldn't make it, so we we're excited to be able to bring you to the people, Scott. No, I mean, great, great job. I mean, uh, for a lot of people, you're the conduit to this right. conference, right? Right. Now. Yeah. So, right now. Yeah. yeah. And actually, and and to that point, um, unfortunately, we had asked, to, we were hoping to have Nvidia's Anand Murladaran on the show with us today, but um, unfortunately, he couldn't make it uh, last minute uh, on availability. But uh, we're gonna try to do him right in his stead. Um, and Scott and I actually, gosh, in what an hour roughly? Yeah, the clock is ticking. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Too. Yeah, an hour are going to be on stage together uh, with uh, Tom Oregi, who you just saw. Well, Tom Oregi was going to be part of it, too. He can't make it. But um, Alex Siscos of Everseen will be yeah. with us. We just talked to Andy Hules of Lenovo will be on stage. We're going to we're going to bring down the house here to close out the show. I think we're one of the last big idea sessions. Scott, you ready for this? I'm ready. I think you and I will be buddies by the end of the day. That's right. That's right. All right, man, let's get to it. I mean, I think the best place to start with you for sure. Um, because not people might not be exactly familiar with it is talk about your company compass first, set the landscape on everything it does. Cause I've talked to you before. It's, it's pretty intense. Like in terms of all the coverage you guys have in the area of retail. Yeah, sure. So I work you know, at compass group. It's a food hospitality company. Okay. Um, we're in over 45 countries, we right. employ over half a million people around the globe. Wow. Um, you know, we generate about 30 billion in revenue a year. Um, I mainly focus in us and in Canada, so North America. So, uh, you know, most the reason why most people haven't heard of Compass Group because we own 28 companies that we sell to uh, in the U.S. Um, you know, we actually service 98 of the Fortune top 400, uh, Fortune 100 companies. So we're in every vertical. So, you know, we're providing food service in Google Campus, Microsoft, Goldman Sachs. Uh, we're in higher education. NYU is our you know, customer. We feed all the students there and all the, all the uh, professors. Um, you know, we're in healthcare, we're in over 800 hospitals, we do patient feeding, um, you know, we call retail food, so that's the cafe in the hospitals. Yeah. Um, you know, we own Restaurant Associates, which is based out of New York, so that's more high-end. Mm. Um, we own Wolfgang Puck Catering, so we do like the Golden Globes, the Oscars, wow. the US Open, anywhere you need, everyone eats, right? So we're basically <laughs> in every vertical. How, how yeah. did you get into this, Scott? I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I joined the organization nine years ago. Um, you know, technology back then was, do you have a point of sale system? Do you right, need a, right. you know, a, a mobile phone? Uh, you know, the company quickly realized that um, digital and technology is strategic for the company. Yeah. And uh, so that's how I came in. And then we formed an organization called Compass Digital Labs as a subsidiary. Mm. And, you know, we're really focused on driving the digital future in food hospitality. And what, what does that look like? you right now who are the types of people that you're working with because I, I know we've been hearing your name come up uh, with a few of the people that we've talked to so far uh, in the show but yeah so I mean you know I have a really interesting role in this yeah company. I was gonna ask you where yeah. the role begins and ends too yeah. yeah so I have two roles in company like I'm the you know the as we said I'm the CTO so I we call it close innovation so this okay. is all innovation that's happening within the company yeah so I have a product team engineers data science this is where we build our own products so for example you know, we're building the, you know, the cafe operating system, which we think would change the food industry. Okay. Um, you know, obviously like the mobile and web channels, that's part of a team. Uh, but then there's something else that I do. I'm the managing director of Compass Digital Ventures. Okay. So right. it's our corporate venture capital division. 
Uh, that's our open innovation strategy. This is when we bring startups in to work with our internal teams to innovate. And our goal really is to build the, you know, a digital cafe or a digital restaurant, okay. right? So, mm. uh, and you know, AI is, um, is obviously very prevalent for us as part of our strategy. You know, the term that we used recently is just, we believe AI is gonna become like ambient AI, mm. which is, you know, everyone thinks AI is gonna be sexy, which it is, but we think it's gonna be little things that we don't even notice. For example, automating ordering for, for our chefs and unit managers. Okay. Things like that. Yeah. It's gonna be really prevalent in our business, yeah. Well, and that have a huge impact on bottom line economics for the business if you can predict you know based on customers consumption patterns and behaviors you know what to order for next week next month like that that makes a real impact especially with rising food costs it's bigger than you think i mean this applies to all retail but um you know as a as a food provider you never want to run out of food for your customers right Right. that that creates a lot of food waste so you know demand forecast is something that's been done for years right but now with ai things are changing so we've been able to show we can reduce food waste by almost 40% leveraging. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. And so, and the reason, you know, the reason that, you know, we're talking here today too is, you know, particularly on the consumer experience side of things, you mentioned how you're trying to create like basically the first AI driven, you know, restaurant experience and a lot of food service experience in a lot of ways. Um, and you've been doing a lot of experimentation on the checkout free side of things. Um, talk to us first about why. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, we started this journey four years ago. Okay. Um, you know, point of sale system is, you know, for a long time, the heart of the technology in, in retail and food. Um, but we think it's going to change, right? So when we first embarked on this journey, it's really about convenience. How do we make it really easy for our, you know, our shoppers when they go online, there's a certain experience. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, self-serve. It's very fast. They have a lot of data available for them. Um, when it comes physically, there's a lot of advantages. People can help you. You can ask questions. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, uh, you have to wait in line mm-hmm. to pay, right? And so how do we remove that friction was, was really our focus at the beginning. Uh, interestingly enough, with the pandemic, um, that's part of the focus now. Now it's just there's labor issues. Mm. Um, we can't even find people. And, you know, and then also looking at the future, what does work look like for our employees? Right. Point of sales is very transactional, yes. right? Like, so how do we build roles that's more like experience-based? Right. So that's been our, you know, our, our kind of pivot. It's still convenience, but it's also we see as the future for our for our business, right? So. I think that makes a lot of sense too. Um, and for so long, I think people have associated point of sale with being person handing money to another person. And now with contactless payment, with just walkout technology, uh, automated convenience stores, I mean, the, the point of sale moment is happening with the mobile device anymore. It's really, you know, the delivery of goods or the handoff of goods or the help ordering in store that you want the human capital to be working towards, it sounds like. Um, what are you thinking, like, as far as, you know, AI, we see, we hear used a lot, in a lot of use cases um, in the food industry. What are you excited about, Scott? Like, what have you, what kind of, you know, what you, whether it's in the venture lab or it's, you know, in your own research and studies, what kind of things are you working on that you can talk about that, that really make you excited about the future of food and the application of, of AI? Yeah, so I, I can first talk about self-checkout. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, you just talked about like point of sales is not going away. It's just how you do point of sales, right? right? So uh, this is a this is going to be a, the future of point of sales, I think. It's self-checkout. Um, first of all, there's there's two types of technology. Yeah, what do you mean when you say yeah. self-checkout too? Yeah, yeah. Right, thank you. That's where you're going, yep. Yeah, there's two types of technology that everyone needs to be aware of. There's something we call pure computer vision. So these are just leveraging cameras, um, and then you have AI behind it. Uh, and then you, the other stream is sensor fusion, 
So this is a mix of computer vision and sensors like weight sensors, motion sensors. Yeah. Uh, and you see companies in both streams, right? You have Amazon Just Walk Out, which is sensor fusion. They rely heavily on computer vision augmented with other sensors. Uh, and then you have other companies like the standard cognition, which is pure computer vision. And there's pros and cons of it. I always like to say, it's kind of like self-driving. There's two, there's two views. Tesla's pure computer vision. And then you have Waymo, which uses computer vision with LiDAR with other sensors and it's it's happening in retail as well. Mm -hmm. And and so you guys have you guys and you have a part of view on how you want to approach that, right? I mean, and given given what you're trying to accomplish too, and maybe that's probably a good time to bring up kind of the uh for lack of a better word, the mini market strategy you guys are deploying too. Am I right? Sure, yeah. So we have over ten thousand like micro markets and C stores. Mm -hmm. Uh so this is like little convenience stores that range from two hundred square feet to a thousand square feet in size. Yeah. Uh, we open about 150 a month right now. It's a really large part of our growing business. Yeah, it's across the United States. People want convenience, right? And uh, um, so for us, you know, in terms of the technology, we don't, we haven't leaned, we're, we're looking at both types of technology, but the most important thing for us is, first, does it work, right? It has to be accurate. Um, you know, a lot of times people will say, hey, we have 99% uptime. 80% of our business happens between breakfast and lunch. Right. And so if you're down that 1% at that right. moment, that's a huge part of our <laughs> right, revenue, right? right. That's right? A great point. Uh, and then obviously, you know, anything with new tech, it's one thing to say, hey, we can boot build a proof of concept pilot and make it work. But now is the cost there so that you can start scaling. And then do you have the teams available to actually support scale, right? right? When you have an issue, right? How do you onboard? Like the consumers that first experience frictionless checkout, they think they're stealing, right? So if you look at the Amazon example <laughs> right. here, they have gates. Part of the reason why you have gates is it's physically let someone know psychologically that you're entering and you're exiting so they don't feel seen but in a lot of our locations we can't have physical gates okay. so now how do you educate the user and what right? prevents that just the sheer size the locations of where they are like well a lot of there's our a lot i want to get into in this so yeah cool. yeah like a lot of our like we are a b2b to c company meaning we have to sign a contract with our clients which could be goldman sachs which could be google mm -hmm. and then once you have the contract now we're selling to consumers so that's their property. It's their real estate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like we can't put gates in the Google campus. We right. can't put gates in, you know, right. in a stadium right. if, without permission. Right. Uh, and then a lot of it too is um, it's retrofitting versus new build. A lot yeah, of times we go into question. retrofit. And so we can't change the environment. Mm -hmm. And so is that why you, is that why you tend to lean? You didn't say this explicitly, but I think from knowing and talking to you in the past, is that why you lean towards more experimentation on the computer vision only side at this point versus the, so well, it's a fusion combination or how, how should the audience read that? Well, we're, we're trying both. We're trying both. Okay. We're trying both. But here, I was just quickly talking about the pros and cons. Yeah. So with sensor fusion, you have more sensors, you have more data inputs. So it means you have a higher chance of getting it right, more accuracy. But there's a cost to that. You have more devices you have to manage, right? With sensors, you have to calibrate it all the time. And we sell light items, like a chocolate bar is like 50 grams. So if you're off by 20 grams, that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> so you gotta, so you got to calibrate it. It means there's more things that can break. Right. And with more data, you need more bandwidth at the back. Mm -hmm. Right. So all those things happen. Computer vision, um, you know, it's, it's simpler, but, you know, what happens if you cover up, you know, you grab three chocolate bars and you cover it up, you can't see. Right. So the so it, it's more on the software engineers to figure it out. We're kind of looking at both. But obviously, if, if, if computer vision works, it's it's a cleaner and cheaper solution. Right. But for us, the most important thing, it has to work. Got to have the accuracy. accuracy. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're looking, we're really looking at both right now. Well, and because you're such an expert on this, I want to go deep on the puts and takes with, in terms of what you're finding. You touched on some of them already, but like one of the ones, for example, that comes to mind too is 
the item data that you've got to have running through your systems and the accuracy of that and how it's coordinating with these computer vision systems too has got to be intense. What, 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 are you, what is your take on that? And what, are, what else are you seeing that people need to be aware of? So uh, it, it's, a, it's an extra process step you have to introduce into your operation flow. Right, which isn't easy. Yeah, so before when you introduce a SKU, you got to put it into your product catalog, get it out right. of price. Now you have to train the AI on it. And it's always, I don't know if you've ever seen training AI. Like, it looks like people are dancing. They're like <laughs> pretending they're grabbing products, <laughs> walking around. Um, you sometimes have to hire different people. You have to hire kids to do it because right, if you're only training types. the AI on specific right. people. Oh, right. So now you have to add this process of like training the AI on the product. So that's an extra step. And then the other thing that companies have to think about is the technology step, right? Because there's, there's so many different providers coming. Yeah. You know, most likely in your company, you might work with two or three. Do you want to integrate with all two or three? Or do you want to create like a standard API for them to integrate with you? Mm. So, I mean, at the beginning, you don't have to figure all this stuff out. Mm -hmm. But these are some of the things that you want to think long-term strategy, mm -hmm. right? The other piece that's big is um, when we first started, it's funny, like Andy's here from, from Lenovo. Um, you know, we talk about cloud versus edge computing, right? right? right. So um, everything started with the cloud and, and, you know, we have to have edge because a couple of reasons. One, yeah. we don't, we want to store our data locally because of privacy. Like people get anxious when they see like cameras everywhere. Right. So we don't want to transfer, we only want to transfer specific data to the cloud, but not images of you or personal data. Sure. It's more like this sale happened at this time with this product. That's right. what we send to the cloud, right? right? Mm -hmm. But when we first started the servers on the, the edge computing heated our whole retail location. It was, <laughs> It was basically a server. It's like a sauna, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a server. Yeah. And required a space in, like, on the floor. Like you needed a place to keep those servers. Well, yeah. yeah. So we actually had to work with our retail teams to basically build a space to store a server. It was like a mini server room in our retail location. Right. Which makes it really difficult given the dynamics you just mentioned before in terms right. of where you're operating these locations, right? Exactly. And the edge is really important because if your network goes down, you can't not, not transact. Mm -hmm. So that's why you need to have edge there. But it's really interesting to see the last two, three years, the size and the cost coming down, right? We now see edge computing, like the size of a camera. Right. Um, so that's some, some of the stuff that we're really aware of. And it's really important for us because we spend so much money. We spend like hundreds of million a year in terms of building a retail location. You know, like, so our operators hate it when we come in like, hey, look at this huge server we're putting in. Right. <laughs> right? So, so that's really important. Right, too. yeah, that kind of kept your track of the cost consumer experience. The other point you mentioned to me when we were talking before, that I want you to touch on for the audience too is there's some aspects that I hadn't thought about that you brought up to me in terms of you know how the stores actually operate once they're functioning in a checkout free environment too like so like what does the shopper do when they need help right when something doesn't work talk to about what you're seeing in that arena yeah so I mean actually first thing is like how does a, a shopper even check in at your store right. so if you see Amazon here you can check in with your credit card um, for us we picked um, because we have mobile apps for our food service. Um, so we, you know, we decide to use NFC. So when, NFC, you, okay. when you come into an area, you just need to bump your, your phone to an NFC tag. And we have that across all our retail locations. Uh, and then you check in. Okay. Um, the other important thing is, so when you have an issue now with our app, um, you know, they can get help and support. Um, but the important part is just getting help and support is one thing. Right. But if we don't have the right amount of latency in terms of technology, sending that data to our help desk, they wouldn't be able to help the person, right? right? right. So, you know, when we... When we first started this journey, sometimes it took 20 minutes to process an order behind the scenes. Um, but now it, it happens wow. in microseconds. And so that, you need to build a support team for that. The other piece I would say is you really need to build an onboarding team because you have to mm. onboard customers to this whole new different experience. I don't know if you remember in the early 2000s when web banking first started, nobody trusted web banking. Right. Everyone, right. 
that's yeah. kind of the, the same it's kind of what we're looking at again it is yeah. right so users are going you know what's going on like am i stealing the operators always first thing operators always ask is like wait there's no uh there's no cashier there like are we gonna have a large shrinkage right that's a, that's actually a question we just got from the audience is how, how what is the experience for shrinkage there are you seeing so increases increases what happens so we're there? seeing roughly the same okay um really? i mean look we you know you need more data more locations right. to see that but here's what people don't understand like in, nor in a normal retail store you have security cameras you actually need somebody to watch footage to see if something happens right. yeah when someone walks out of our location with computer vision and AI now, and they didn't check in, it, it notifies our everybody. Right. And so we can, we know every time that occurs actually. Right. Um, and it's actually a really great use of time for security instead of them watching 24 yeah. hours of video. Speculating. AI, the AI will send yeah. them like 20 second clip. This person just walked in and walked out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, people don't know that, but it's a great point though. Yeah. Stuff, shrinkage is not, has not grown so far. Yeah. Yeah. I have some other rapid fire yeah, questions. Yeah, do it. Scott. Go for it from the Can audience. A couple of rapid yeah, fire sure. Questions? Okay, Michael Blanc wants to know, uh, fellow Canadian, by the way, uh, <laughs> do you see a future for robot food prep, synthetically grown meat, and or backward integration, vertical intense farming, fresh in cold weather? Sorry, cold weather countries <laughs> like Canada. Let's start with one big future for food, robot food prep. Well, that's a, that's a lot of questions. There. Um, <laughs> Way to go, Michael. Michael. Yes. Yeah. We'll get them covered for you. Yeah, we, I mean, look, uh, robotics is you know part of AI. It's definitely coming. There's two types of robotic food companies out there. There's robots that just assemble food, mm -hmm. and then there's robots that assemble and cook food. Okay. So assemble food, think of like poke bowls, salads. Yeah. And then when you cook, you can make pasta and, and stuff like that now. Like so, Sophie the robot or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's definitely happening. I mean, like as a company in Boston called Spice. They were just acquired by um, uh, Fresh Greens, okay. so it, it's definitely coming. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, with the growth of Ghost Kitchen, um, we can definitely. These are commissaries, right? This right. robots would definitely right. be there. Yeah. So this is an area that we're we're You're investing. Not just watching. We're actually actively You're actually working. Actually, doing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. One more question. Uh, Michael also wants to know about vending machine technology. Um, for self-checkout. Do you have a preference of like vending machines versus like walk a store walk-in convenience kind of concept from yeah. perspective? Yeah, so I mean, vending machines are already self-checkout. Right. But I think I think what you're seeing right now is self-checkout is we're building a portfolio of solutions. Mm -hmm. So there'll be certain use cases vending really works. Yes. And then these like self-serve self um, micro markets would, would be a better solution. Right. I think you had a question about urban farming too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah so, go for it. Yeah. So I mean, it, the, the biggest thing with urban farming for us right now is um, it's shortening the supply chain distance, right? Like we all have supply chain issues right, right now, but it's also imagine like when you have to ship lettuce from Mexico to California, right. it takes a certain amount of time. Right. Uh, it's seasonal. So you can only have it certain times of the year. There's a lot of food wastage, food spoilage. Yeah. So I, you know, we really believe urban farms are one, give us fresher food, eat it when it's ready. Uh, it reduces the travel distance. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that we're also looking at. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I did want to ask you too, because I think I'd be remiss not to ask you. And I apologize to the audience for not asking this before going back to the checkout free discussion. Um, just, just giving an idea based on what you're talking about in terms of understanding the dynamics of roughly how many implementations you guys have now, you know, in market that are helping giving you help giving you this like information. We have about around 10 right now, okay, 10. but okay. we have like our 2022 schedule. Like we're looking to scale 
like a lot this year. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that, Scott. What's up? What's on deck for you guys in 2022 and the next couple of years? Where's where's yeah. the Compass Group going? So, I mean, the cost is still not at the point where we can scale at every micro market okay. right now. Okay. But what we want to do is it's low enough where we, you know, our first goal was to get the first 10 in. Okay. I think now our goal is to get the next 100 in. Okay. Because the cost is down. The other thing is you just start learning a lot as you have more deployments. Right. That's AI gets better the more you do it, right? right. AI gets better, but more importantly, our operations team. Right. Everyone focus on the tech. You know, like right. the, the hardest part about rolling stuff out is actually the process and people. Right. Managing it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And the customers, right. too. And Getting the customers. Getting the customers acclimated yeah. to that experience that yeah. like you were talking about. Makes sense. But that gives an idea. I'm glad I asked So 10, trying to do 100 this next year. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Very good. All right, man. Well, hey, we got to get going because we got to get moving we got to get up we got to go up like two floors and across a big hallway to the big ideas session number three stage um scott that was awesome yeah. thanks for having me yeah. just uh the, the two of you are doing a great job thanks oh, man thank appreciate you. that thanks. thank um, you if, if people want to get in touch yeah. with you at the show um they want to follow up after what's the best way for them to do that yeah i mean they can email me uh at scott at compassdigital.io okay uh, i'm around or you can find me right after like we're on stage at 11, yeah, 11 30 to 12 30 yeah. and then we'll be back in the lab yeah, yeah i'll be then. i'll be around the innovation lab so people can just come here if they want to talk Love to it. me awesome Excellent. awesome thank you so much all right yeah scott Wu, compass digital labs part of the compass group thanks for being with us today i love that conversation so insightful can't wait to talk to you more in a few minutes that concludes this our latest live stream we'll be back again i think around 1 p.m yes. 1 p.m maybe 2 p.m still trying to figure that out we're going to have choice market on for sure this afternoon as well as stick around for it at 3 p.m. We're going to close out NRF with Chris Rupp of Albertsons joining us live. You're definitely going to want to see that. For everyone watching from the NVIDIA and Lenovo Innovation Lab at NRF, be careful out there.